This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and a warm welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm afraid you've got me, Nick Gillard, as your host for this episode as both Hambo and Mike Scott, well, it's their turn for the Watford manager's job, so they've gone to North London to sort all that out. As you can imagine, we're still pretty angry after the terrible officiating in the Eagles' 3-1 defeat to Kevin Friend, sorry, Liverpool, on a chilly Sunday afternoon at the weekend. However, there are also many positives to take from the game. Joining us to chew over the carcass of what some on social media have called the most corrupt officiating ever seen in South East London is Chris Clark, and occasionally... We'll have Sam the producer in. Cara, unfortunately, is embroiled in Boris Johnson's birthday party shenanigans, so she hasn't been able to make it with us tonight, although you will hear her later in the programme. So we'll start off with some uh, news about the other teams. Um, the under-18s thrashed Birmingham City 4-0 on the delightfully named Trillion Trophy Training Centre. Uh, with goals from Sheridan, Ozo Raymond and Ola Adebomi. And it saw them keep fifth place in the under-18s Premier League, which, halfway point at the moment, 13 games in, their top six sides are separated by only three points, so plenty to play for. Um, Chris, did you manage to watch the under-23s this afternoon? No, I was at work. Oh, right, yeah, yeah I did. Makes for a good show, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it did, I'll introduce you in a minute, mate. Um, yeah. We played really well. Uh, we lost 2-0. Liverpool went 1-0 ahead in the first half, kind of against the run of play. Um, but we were all over them. Um, we saw the likes of Kelly, Gyro, Ferguson, not Duncan, and Clyde turn out. And um, we gave them a really, really good game. The player of the match was Liverpool's goalkeeper, uh, which seems to be a bit of a theme uh, this weekend. Um, but... Looking at where we've come from two or three years ago, it's not a disgraceful defeat. Um, in a triple header against the Scousers, um, including the first team, uh, unfortunately the women lost 2-0 in front of a decent turnout 600 at Bromley FC yesterday. Chris, how you doing, mate? You've been stuck in meetings all day. Yeah, um, I mean, this is what... Uh, work is for many of us at the moment and football is our escape and yesterday you know it was definitely quite an escape um mostly uh apart from at Selhurst spent the day in the Green Dragon um which is not a bad little pub in central Croydon um and spent this morning regretting how much time we spent in the Green Dragon uh, <laughs> to be honest um and also um the rocker pub, the uh, the ship afterwards as well. So yeah, it was it was a late night, um, having been an early start. Um, but as as you said in your intro, Nick, lots to um, pick over in, in that game. And while the result was um, disappointingly predictable, um, there were definitely some positives to pick out from the performance. Yeah, yeah, just a couple more bits of news. I don't know how you can go out drinking on a Sunday and up for work on a Monday. Maybe 25 years ago, 30 years ago, for me, you used to go out on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday and be up for work on a Monday. <laughs> Not anymore. I go out on Thursday, I have to have a week off. Um, <laughs> there's a great club in Gerrard Street I remember going to and at the back of the toilet door, it said, go on, phone in sick. You know you want to. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have done. Anyway, um, Jonathan Parr 
saw on Twitter today, has retired. What do you remember about uh, uh, Jonathan Poor, as he's pronounced, Chris? I didn't know it was pronounced differently, but I have very happy memories of Johnny Parr. Um, you know, I mean, he was—he always looked knackered. He was another one, a bit, a bit like James MacArthur. Always looked tired, but actually, you know, always put a shift in for the team. Um, really, really enjoyed his time. And it was, it was sad that he wasn't with us um, for that long after the promotion season. But, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed uh, watching him play for us. And, and the fact that um, he looked quite like... Uh, Johnny Williams as well. Um, I used to call Johnny Williams Mini Par at the time. Um, so yeah, I mean he's he's had a good career, and you know definitely always welcome back at Selhurst. Yeah, what was incredible about him is when he joined us, he joined us after playing a full season in the Norwegian league. He had no break; he just went straight into the English league, uh, into what was then the Championship, yeah, Division Two, whatever it was back then. It seems such a long, long time ago. Um, other news, I looked on Twitter today at the back of the Nest account. Um, the back of the Nest Twitter account is 11 years old today. That makes me feel old. I've, I've been on the show for about 10 years in its various incarnations. So happy birthday to back of the Nest. Um, and just a bit about the AFCON. Uh, Wilf is still out there with Ivory Coast, who are playing Egypt on Wednesday. He's not been starting uh, every game. What do you think, Chris? Resting him, or or do they think he's not good enough? Well, I hope it's not the latter. Um, maybe they just think he's a super sub or something. But um, you know, they'll. I mean, what, what I've also noticed is that when uh, teams have been leaving Afcon, uh, there's been quite a lot of weird comments. Like some of the Facebook groups have seen people um, saying that they hope Palace go down because Jordan Ayew has prioritised us over them or something. Really, really weird. Um, stuff coming out. Um, I mean, I, I'm looking at both of those um, Palace players playing in that tournament and wishing them wishing them well. And I certainly hope that we get to see Wilf play more than a little cameo. Maybe you know, maybe get a full game in you know, a later stage of the tournament because he really deserves it. Yeah, you say both players. Obviously, the other one is uh, Kuati, who's Senegal will play Cape Verde on Tuesday. Um, Good to see um, the Nigerian fans who put a juju on Dennis. He got sent off the other night against Norwich, didn't he? That was hilarious. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. And, and they've lost their manager. Um, you were having quite an interesting chat with DR in the uh, back of the next WhatsApp about whether you want Watford to go down or not. DR doesn't because it's nice and local to get to. What's your thoughts? Well... Watford, as far as I can tell, doesn't have a decent pub in it. Um, if there's a listener on here who can prove me wrong about that, feel free to make a recommendation and I will happily try and visit said pub if there is a decent one in Watford. I haven't managed to find one. Um, it's a terrible place to visit, a terrible place to go, a terrible place to drink, most importantly, and definitely a terrible place to watch football. Um, I hope that other than going there to collect three points, later this season that I don't ever have to go there again. Um, I can't understand DR's uh, base, you know, basis on just simple convenience of travel. Um, and for the record, I mean, you were talking about them going up, um, Mike and Chris going up to North London for the job. Um, I'm sure you that was a slip of the tongue and you would agree that Watford is definitely not a London club, not a derby, and that they can fuck off. Fair enough. Uh, I take it that you won't be going to Albert's massive party in the summer where we'll be doing a presentation with his baguette-wielding squirrels in the garden. So you're going to miss out on that one. After that, I don't think I'll be invited. No, definitely not. Uh, Right, let's let's talk a bit about um, the game at the weekend. It's... um, it's ironic that the last pod I was talking about James Taylor and you've got a friend to Mike and he'd never heard of James Taylor. I wish I'd never heard of Kevin Friend. Um, but before the game, uh, lovely Cara was in uh, the Green Dragon pub, got chatting to a Liverpool fan and um, being the roving reporter and um, really wanting to impress the back of the nest lot because she's new, um, she recorded an interview with a Liverpool fan so you can hear that right now. Okay, so in Green Dragon in Croydon with Jason, Liverpool fan. So Jason, you come down today, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. That's this morning at five o'clock. Got here at nine. Travelled across with a couple of my Palace fans, and I'm ready to uh, 
Hey, confidence. So, what's your score prediction? Uh, well, we go into the game with a lot of confidence after winning on Thursday and obviously securing another uh, trip to Anfield South, aka Wembley. And I think Liverpool today will obviously put a strong team out, especially on the back of the Man City draw last day, uh, yesterday. And I think Liverpool will win three one. Interesting, interesting. It pains me to hear that prediction. It really does, but. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, do you feel like, obviously, some people talk about Palace as being a bit of a Liverpool bogey team. Do you feel that as a Liverpool fan? or? I think they were. I think, obviously, if we go back to, uh, like back to Stephen Gerrard last game at Anfield, and games at Anfield where Palace were a bit of a bogey team. But I think on the past few occasions we've travelled to Salis, but I think we've come away with comfortable victories, and I think today we'll be no different. Well, how prescient was that? Blimey. Um, that said, there were a few people to before the game that they knew that Liverpool were going to win because Man City only got a draw against Southampton on the Saturday night and that the Premier League would like to keep the league alive. Uh, we've had some conspiracy theories in cars before with DR, haven't we? Um, Chris, what do you think? Do you think Do you think there's a conspiracy? Do you think it's all to keep the league alive or, or what? Well, it's definitely some kind of a conspiracy. I mean, whether I mean I, I want to be careful because uh, I mean I don't think the Premier League's lawyers listen to the to this show. Um, if they did, I thought I'd have probably already had a call by now. Um, but every every week that you see new evidence that and patterns that suggest something is amiss with the decision making, um, it feels like a racket. It's felt like a racket for the last twenty years, to be fair. Um, Cara pointed out some stats to me um, earlier on. Um, so the, the, apparently the traditional big six clubs have lost two of the 35 games they've played with Kevin Friend as head referee since October 2019. Really? Yeah. And and so, I mean, that, that obviously that stat seems wild and we haven't had a chance to cross-reference that with what it's like for other refs. But um, And we'll, we'll talk about the specifics of the decisions that uh, Kevin Friend made or rather didn't make at some points. Um, in that game, um, but you know, yeah, I, I have to say it, it felt like there was an agenda yesterday, and uh, others agreed with that. Um, yeah, there's fairly widespread condemnation of the performance of the ref, and I bet that he gets to ref a Premier League game next week as well. Anybody who stood near or next to Chris Clark at any Palace game will know that his catchphrase is "corrupt cunt." Uh, that's a 10-minute, 45-second bleep point there, Sam, the producer. Um, but, yes, um, quite shocking, shocking potty mouth that you've got there. But I was talking to a Tottenham friend on Facebook who uh, I was moaning about the ref against Tottenham because I've, we thought he's uh, selling off as, of will for the yellow car before. It happens a bit iffy. He said, oh, you're always going on about the ref. But then later that evening, lo and behold, he's moaning about the ref and disallowing Harry Kane's goal against Chelsea and how Chelsea are getting all the advantages. So I think people are coming round to this. Um, let's hope something happens afterwards. So, got into the ground. Nice, nice big crowd, 25,000. Not bad for a Sunday, considering COVID and everything. We were pads to start off with, weren't we, Chris? We just didn't get going. And that corner, seven minutes in, Liverpool were all over us right from the start. Yeah, and there's absolutely no excuse. I mean, one thing is that even after that, um, you know, those alarm bells had been ringing. You know, we were we were continuing to play out right from the back and inviting the press that you know Liverpool are so famous for delivering. Um, you know, that put us under a lot of pressure um, for you know at least the first half hour of the game. There was you know very little in the way of adjustment right up to half time. Uh, let's just address that corner. I mean. It's a completely free header. Um, I don't even. I can't even tell who's supposed to be covering Van Dyke. I don't know if they've worked out uh, who was supposed to be marking or if we were marking. But um, yeah, it was like they haven't played football before, and yeah, very disappointing to go uh, behind so early and really flatten things for a little bit. Although you know, to be fair, um, you know the fans did continue to make a noise and you know support the team. So that that. One small positive there. Yeah, what what was annoying was we seem to have sorted out the set pieces um, in recent games. Um, hadn't had any problems at all. Um, so yeah, it was it was uh, 
Very baffling to see that. Um, so we're playing the ball out from the back. Liverpool are pressing really, really high. We used to moan about our previous manager, whose name I won't mention, not having a plan B. Now, obviously, the second half, we did improve a lot. So our manager does have a plan B. But, but why not sort something out? Why, why wasn't Greater wellying the ball away? What, what was going on there? Is that a communication issue between the players? Should uh, Patrick Vieira be telling the players to do that? Or what's the insistence of just keep playing like that? It's, it's a mystery. Have you got any idea why that would be, Chris? Well, the only thing that I can think is that it has to be a plan um, and a determination to say, no, this can work. This will work. Keep trying it. Um, you'll get better at it. I think that can be the only thing. I can't believe that seeing it not working, um, you know, they're actively deciding, um, you know, and failing to spot the need to change. I think they, they don't believe there is a need to change. Um, and obviously that, you know, when, you know, when it goes 2-0 um, and a bit later on, there, there is there is an adjustment. We move from 4-3-3 to 4-4-2 um, and we start to see um, longer balls being played and lo and behold, things look a bit better. Um those adjustments, there clearly is a reluctance to make them too early on in the game. It's stick to plan A. It's not there isn't a plan B. It's just we're not not changing just yet. Is it to draw the Liverpool players in and then launch a long ball? Because Mateta, you know, he managed to get in behind a couple of times. Liverpool were playing high up the pitch. And as we showed, uh, the more the game went on, the easier it was to get in behind them. Um, and their defence did look quite ropey towards the end well towards the end of the first half it was we just didn't seem to have the time we were panicking and uh, yeah uh, most baffling um, so you talk about the second Liverpool goal because it kind of came before we even had a chance didn't it we, I think we had one chance early on where was it Elise had got through or was it um, Mateta had come through and uh, drew a, a good save from Alisson, who, for my money, was the man of the match yesterday. Um, but other than that, we weren't really creating much. The midfield looked a bit swamped. Schlupp, we'll talk about in a bit when, when we talk about changing positions, but we just couldn't get through anywhere, could we? Second goal. First bit of... Well, Kevin Friend didn't give us a single foul, I don't think. Liverpool were getting everything. Um, of that, there is no doubt. Um, the cross came in for the second goal. Now, Firmino, who, to me, had got away with three or four niggly fouls before then and should have been in the book by then, was offside, in an offside position. Um, Jermaine Genus on Match of the Day said that the minute that Firmino goes for this ball, he becomes active and affects the decision of Mitchell at the back post. Mitchell knows where Oxlade-Chamberlain is, and as the play develops, he has got a decision to make. I think he feels like, well, I've got to pick up Firmino because he's closest to the ball. But if he's not there, Firmino, Mitchell drops a little bit deeper. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think, think Jadis is spot on? I think he's absolutely spot on. I've seen similar comments from um, other leading broadcasters as well. Um, I don't think that's a controversial comment at all. I think it, it was an absolute travesty that that goal stood. Um, and if, if VAR can intervene and get a penalty decision wrong in the way that it did um, towards the end of the game, then the reason why it exists is to deal with clear and obvious errors like someone being in, in an offside position, interfering with play and causing a goal to happen. That's what VAR is there to prevent happening. And in this case, of course, it didn't, because in reality, it's there to protect the interests of the big clubs. Now, to be fair to Kevin Friend, he did wait before he allowed kickoff to take place. So it's whoever was in the VAR room. I can't remember who was in the VAR room. I, I should have written it down somewhere. Um, but yeah, surely it's down to those people in Stockley Park to say, no, he's offside. Now, I'm going to stick with the offsides because although it's much later in the game, there were two or three occasions where Palace got through. One of them, I think, Benteke was genuinely offside. 
But the linesman's flag goes up immediately and the ref blows immediately. Now, forgive me if I'm wrong, but shouldn't they be letting play go on, seeing what happens, and then checking on the VAR? Am I right? That's my understanding, and there are examples of them doing that in this game. Um, It's just when it's our chance that they don't do it. What was it like with the HF? Because they were still singing all the way through. And, uh, I did notice a few extra flags. Did they get them for Christmas or something? What was that all about? <laughs> I think they've raised some money. And, um, you know, again, I mean, as you probably know, all the all the HF uh, money comes through fan contributions. There's not subsidies from the club there. It's a genuine fan led movement, which is great. Um, and they've put a big drive into getting these resources for, you know, so that we've got a formidable display when we when we want to do it. Um, and that's that's been happening the last few games. Um, they 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 put a decent noise together. One thing I will say though is that the ground was noticeably fuller, and obviously that's partly the um, Omicron starting to wane slightly, and also the fact we're playing glamorous opponents, um, and so you know tickets are in higher demand uh, for the, this particular game. Uh, you could see that there were a few uh, people. Um, I would say further back, but frankly, some of them had even muscled in to the edge um, of, you know, the more active bits of Blocky, who were then just stood there with their arms crossed or had their camera phones out enjoying it. Um, And the people uh, leading the HF uh, were vocal in encouraging them to take part and indeed um, commenting when they didn't. Uh, Sam, I'm going to bring you in here. Um, you're, You're obviously heavy with child, Sam. How's the baby reacting during games? Are you getting much kicking and stuff or...? joining in yeah she's enjoying it a lot i think yeah. i'm trying to get her used to the noise <laughs> so that my plan <laughs> is that'll make her sleep <laughs> oh right okay but yeah yeah there's there's enough movement i think she feels the tension when i feel the tension in the game but uh, yeah as long as your waters don't break on the hf that, that'd be fantastic if that happened <laughs> We've got to have a proper South London baby. We've yeah. got a couple of months before that, hopefully. If yeah. she's if she's born on the Homestale, what what will you call her? Because it's got to be a palace related name, surely. Uh, well, Chris is still voting Wilfred, but I don't know if I can do that to a little girl. You know, Wilfreda. it makes sense. Frida, Frida's <laughs> fine. Although I used yeah. to have a tortoise called Frida, so. That that would remind me of a tortoise, so it's probably not good to go that way. But no. <laughs> let's do a listener poll. Yes. Sure. Okay. Yes. So <laughs> if, you, if you want to out back in the nest, um, Sam is guaranteed that whatever the most popular name for her baby is, um, she will think about using it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There was a, there was a lovely photo of you actually on the on the grass bank uh, behind the homestead, um, looking a bit like a hippo. Have um, you got a story about hippos and your dad, haven't you? Yeah, well, I mean, the um, my my dad came to the game yesterday and stood uh, with us in Blocky, uh, and some sort of influence of uh, our dear Chris and Cara and Mike and our friend Luke um, got quite drunk and I had to herd him onto the train at East Croydon and all he wanted to talk about was hippos on the way home and then I had to get him a chicken madras and just leave him in the driveway of my parents house and hope that he eventually got back into his door and I don't think a man in his (laughs) mid-70s where did he get hippos from some documentary he was watching um, on well, Hippo. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I rang Chris before the game yesterday and said, oh, I'm, I'm in the area. Are you in the area? And um, he said, no, no, we're at this pub somewhere else. We're going to get cab. I said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll see you another time. He said, no, I'll see you at the Cronks Bar in the Homestyle. I said, well, no, you won't because I'm in the main stand. He said, how are you? It's like, have you seen me in the Homestyle, Chris? Uh, no, I haven't. So there you go. That's how good your memory is, Mr. Clark. Uh, I think you were quite quite way gone before that point. Anyway, we're moving away from football. We don't <laughs> want to upset Mike Scott. But yeah, even, even, even my son Will said, why does he think we're in the homestyle? He'd seen us by now. But there you go. Um, right, where were we? We were talking about um, offside goals and how we weren't allowed uh, to be offside because the ref just um, blew up straight away. Um, 
Did you notice that we started to get more decisions going our way, though, once Liverpool had scored their second, Chris? That was what uh, people uh, around me were saying. Yeah. If you were the kind of person who believed that uh, money had changed hands, you might think that maybe the bribe was safe and therefore it was um, okay to give fair decisions after that. Now, half-time came and went. What did PV say at half-time? We've always been better in the second half. We've always been better at the start of the second half. Um, So, number one is why can't he say at half-time what he says? Why can't he say at the start of the game what he says at half-time? Or, if things aren't going our way and the opposition aren't playing like he thought they might do, why can't he get any changes in tactics across during the game? Are our players still so young and naive that they, they need it telling? Um, should we have a playbook like they do in American football? I've been watching a lot of that, actually. Um, we've got the same personnel, just a slightly different formation. So, Schlupp's moved out to the wing a little bit. Completely different player. Why play him in the middle if he's no good there? What do you think, Chris? Well, I mean, we, you know, obviously we've got a few players who you know aren't available, key players who aren't available, and there's still been adjustments that need to be made. I think maybe you know Kiate has been missed more than some people thought he might have been. Uh, Jimmy Mack is an obvious miss, and you know we've been looking at different options. Schlupp obviously brings pace. That's one of the one of the main things he brings and a willingness to play the ball forward um, and you know to look up and link up with other players he does that more effectively from the side as we've identified but I can see why you might have thought it would work I can also see why people were understandably calling for it to be changed a lot sooner uh, than it happened many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, uh, and I think it's shown that it's better coming on as a sub sometimes rather than starting the game. But, Elise, how fucking good is he? Two minutes, two chances, both from Elise crosses. To be honest, Gallagher should have should have headed that one in, shouldn't they? First for early doors, second half. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, a minute later, his cross found Jeffrey Schlupp at the far post, who knocked the ball down for Edward. But Edward, clever back hill, was smothered by Allison. What were your thoughts then? Did you think, oh, we're going to turn this game round? Well, the momentum was certainly coming our way and and they were rocking. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's definitely confidence surging uh, through through the whole ground, isn't there? You know, you, I mean, there, there, were, there was a bit of a debate about whether a potential Christian Bull um, could be on the cards. Um, I must admit, I was, despite my perennial optimism, I was not in that happy crowd at that particular moment. But yeah. uh, within a few minutes, uh, you know, th- it turned out that maybe there was cause for optimism after all. So you weren't at the bar like you usually are for the first couple of minutes in the second half. You maybe actually saw first, what happened. Maybe a bit longer, but um, we, we still had a little bit of drink to drink to finish. Um, and uh, But we, we got the uh, game up on a feed that was showing. Uh, oh, that's it, good, Ted. So, yeah, we were still watching the action um, and we did manage to get our um, place back in Block E, much to my surprise, because we were late back. Um, But you could still feel the atmosphere even stood up as far out as we were. Um, You know, it was electric in there. 
So we're pressing, we're pressing. Liverpool, lots of niggly fouls, still no bookings. Um, they're a bit rattled, I have to say. Uh, Ten minutes, Schlupp gets the ball. Uh, near the centre circle, plays a lovely through ball to Pateta. Now, I'm glad he didn't play it to Edward because Edward was actually looked offside at that point. So, um, Pateta runs forward with the ball and uh, a selfless pass to put Edward in, who I thought on replay looked like he could have missed it. Now, Pateta is... Is it a bit of an enigma, isn't he? Because he doesn't seem to be that good. But he does enough to warrant himself getting picked, whether it's scoring or an assist. Or he was actually doing some trickery as well. So he's endearing himself to the crowd with every game he plays. Um, again, we've spoken about this before. Do, do we need to replace him? Do we keep him now? What do we do? Because, you know, is he going to be worth the money, the, the 15 b or whatever it is, that we need to play mines if he plays those games? Or is Patrick Vieira forcing Mr. Parrish and co to say, look, I'm playing him, I'm playing him. You need to decide whether we want to keep him or not because that moment where we unlock the loan thing and we have to buy him, it's going to come soon. So you need to make a decision. Well, it's a bit of do. both, isn't it? It's a bit of both, isn't it, Nick? But the, th- the thing I would say is that, you know, we've now seen this guy playing in Palace Colours a bit. Um, you know, he's not always been consistently brilliant, but he's becoming consistently better uh, with each performance. And, you know, he's clearly someone who can link up with the players we've got. So I, I'm, you know, I'm very much, as I was with, you know, should we change manager? Um, previously, my line was no. Let's stick with what we've got, and that's where I am here as well with this guy. Yes, we could send him back and maybe get someone else um, who might be better or might not. This guy we can now see has a lot of potential. Is linking up successfully and building understandings with the players who are in our team. He's a good, he's a natural younger replacement for Benteke with a lot of the attributes that Benteke has. If Benteke were to move on either at the end of this season or possibly even during this window, I hope not, but could happen. He's um, not going so anywhere. I agree. And therefore, but he might be going at the end of the year, um, at the end of the season. And either way, I think, you know, he, he gives us uh, another option. You know, I mean, imagine we're one injury away from not having anything except our two first choice strikers. So, you know, other than just wingers who you play out of position. So, for me, it's a no-brainer. We've got to keep him. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd uh, argue that Zaha is a striker as well as a winger. So, I wouldn't say that he was out of position. I'd say he was in a different position. But, you know, I'm, I'm being pick, picky there. Um, anyway, so we've we've pulled one back. Um, footy, at Footy Limbs, moaning on Twitter that we didn't go do Lally after that. But... Quite a few people have to tell them that no, it's when you equalise or when you go into the lead that the limbs really happen. It's just at best a consolation goal, um, you know. So we're, we're trying to get back from that, and you know, footy limbs obviously didn't see us against Brighton because that, that's what you call limbs. Um, and it's at this point, I think that the draw is looking the more likely result. But then Kevin Friend out friends himself. Um, Elise has gone up for a header and he's completely taken out. Whether it was deliberate or not, I don't know. But it looked like a bad breakdancing accident. He landed on his head. It's a head injury. Liverpool are breaking with the ball. Kevin Friend plays on. Should Kevin Friend be allowed to carry on refereeing if he is endangering lives like that because even Liverpool players were calling for the game to stop health and safety Chris tell me about it uh well I know, I know a few people who work in health and safety and yeah I mean it's a again it's it's another one where Kevin Friend shows what his priorities are there and clearly it's you know not so much the safety of the players on the pitch and more about what's actually happening on the pitch and whether that secures the result that he needs to see happen at the end of the game. So, yeah, uh, another unsurprising, unfair, inappropriate, wrong, immoral decision by the individual that is called Kevin Friend. 
We're going to come to the penalty decision in a bit, and uh, I'm sure we'll rant about that and rant about Kevin Friend a little bit more. Um, I just want to talk about Anderson, because we've been bemoaning Anderson and not being very good at headering the ball. He wasn't bad, was he, this week? No, he won a number of headers, and you could see him communicating and leading. Um, I can't remember which report it was, whether it was The Guardian or the BBC. I will quote The Guardian extensively later. Apologies, other papers are available. Um, but, you know, I, I read several different outlets, so I can't remember. It might have been The Athletic, it could have been the BBC. But someone actually specifically highlighted Anderson as excellent um, and a standout from our defence um, from yesterday. And frankly, I would agree with that. He He looked like he was... Um, you know, commanding the players around him, and you know, obviously he played his good long balls, but he also won a number of headers. Seven, um, yeah, and that's picture itself, doesn't it? Yep, and he nearly scored as well, didn't he? That shot that went just wide, inches wide. Um, good pass success rate as well. I'm looking at uh, who scored dot com. Um, and actually, he came out as our best player other than, uh, well, he drew with Elise uh, as best player. So um, We absolutely smashed them on average ratings, didn't we, on uh, who scored on yeah, that game? Yeah, we were the pre- better side, according to whoscored.com. Not according to Kevin Friend, but according to the actual facts of what happened on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite even. Uh, I wouldn't say we smashed them on there, but yeah, it's quite even. But it, it's... Uh, Certainly not uh, as bad as the scoreline would suggest. Um, another player, Ward. Now, Robertson was man of the match. Ward suffered a bit, didn't he? He, he went forward a few times, but he was, he was pegged back by Robertson tearing down the Liverpool left-hand side. Um, how long can he keep that position? I mean, I saw Gallagher playing, to, uh, not Gallagher, um, Ferguson playing today for the under-23s. He's looking like he's nearly ready. Can you just be in the ward now, do you think, after his service? What, what do you think? Well, I mean, I think you you want to experiment and, you know, you need to be succession planning. And, you know, we, we can see it was very good to see Ferguson get some first-team minutes against Spurs as well. Um, but having said that, I, I do think that, you know, you can tell that Vieira is loyal. You know, same as same as the previous manager, likes to pick the same players when he can. Um, and doesn't rush to make changes. So um, he's willing to, but he doesn't rush to do it. Um, and there's an understanding building um, between these defenders. Now, we've identified that there are some problems and that one of them is pace and one is people getting pulled out of position. And Ward is definitely one who's being affected by that. Um, but whether you want to do that halfway through a season when you know we're in a pretty strong position in the league, I'm not sure... You know, I mean, there's an argument that says, well, we, you're going to be safe, so you can. And there's another yep. that's saying, well, it's going pretty well, so why would you change it? Yep. Um, yeah, he definitely did, he almost deserves a statue. It's hard to think that he came to us as a defensive midfielder, isn't it? And actually, when he does make his forays up the pitch, he does seem to me a bit of a better player. I mean, you know, just going back to his goal, the goal against Brighton, the big part he played in that, perhaps he's better as a defensive midfielder looking to go forwards um, than he is as a right-back. And there is a place for both um, Ferguson and Ward in the same team. Who knows? Um, talking to some West Brom fans, or a West Brom fan, he's still adamant that um, Ferguson is better in the centre of defence. So that would be interesting if ever we go to uh, a 3-5-2 formation with with Max or a 5 3 two, whatever you call it. So um, there's still plenty of options there. Um, any other standout players before we go to the ludicrous decision of the game for you, Chris? I, I don't. I think we've covered most of them. I mean, I, again, I think Will Hughes had a pretty solid game um, and that's always worth drawing out because we're going to have the midfield dilemma uh, when Jimmy Mack is back, when Kiate comes back from AFCON. Um and I think it's worth dwelling a little more on Elise. You said um, a couple of things about how excellent he was. I mean, I made notes. I rewatched um, certainly the extended highlights package and made notes of so many incidents. And Elise was truly outstanding. And um, you know, this was a game. He he looks so much more 
so much stronger and more confident than he did in some of his tentative early performances for us. It's like a different player, and you know it, it's really exciting and you know, great to have someone that talented. So I've just wanted to underscore that. Yeah, what was important for me was uh, when Eze came on later in the game, Elise and Eze were swapping sides, which shows that Elise can play on both wings, which means there's also space for Ayu and Elise to be in the same team, with maybe Eze playing just behind the striker, whoever that may be. So, you know, there's plenty of permutations going on. Right, this penalty. Sam, you can start us on this penalty. You were in the homestyle. How ridiculous was it? Did you swear, Sam? Never. I would never swear. Did your dad swear or was yes. he ranting about hippos? <laughs> no, no. By that point, he, he he hadn't had enough to drink to think about the hippos yet. Um, no, it was... I, I think the look on Gaeta's face really says it all when, when you watch the replays as he just turns away and shakes his head. It's just not a penalty. I mean, it was hard to see from where we were, to be fair, because you've got two Palace players on on uh, Jota. But looking back at the replays, I just can't understand how it ended up going to VAR and then, you know, the advice was to go to the screen. And that's, that's where you've, you've got to think that there's some sort of agenda going on because Fred got it right at first. Yeah. Absolutely right. And we thought, fair enough, you know, let's play on. There's still, what, four or five minutes left to go at that point. We've still got a chance of getting back into this game. But it's absolutely killed it. I think there's been one instance, I can't recall when it was, of a ref going to a screen and actually letting the decision stand. Um, is VAR making the game better or not, or is it just making mistakes happen in different places? Because I remember the argument for VAR was the wrong player getting sent off. Who was the guy who got sent off? An Arsenal player was the ref sent off the wrong player, and they said, "Oh, we've got to have VAR." That all sort that sort of thing. Out. Instead, it's it's just made. I don't know. It's just made the game seem more. <sighs> I hate to say it, but corrupt. It's it's a fiddle. And I know it poss- possibly balances itself out. We've had VARs that have gone for us and against Man City, their goal was disallowed, but quite rightly because the player was offside. Uh, but this, it was just so wrong. When you've got half the Liverpool fan base saying it should have been a goal, you've got bloody Jamie Carragher, Liverpool through and through saying it's wrong. Gary Lineker saying it's wrong. The entire Batch of the Day panel saying it's wrong. What can we do about it? I recall, I don't know whether I dreamt this, but wasn't there a game years and years ago, Arsenal played Sheffield United and they replayed it because of an iffy decision about a throw-in and somebody scored from it and it, it meant somebody was out of a cup or something. I don't know. I'm sure. I'm, I, I don't know if I jumped it or not. Chris, help no, me No, you're here. right. There, there was a game like that. It was, it was a, um, I think it was one of those ones where they were supposed to give the ball back and Carnu, um nicked it and tapped it around the keeper because he was new to the country and didn't know that that was what we were doing, supposedly. Um, and there was an absolute outrage about it. Um, and I, I think you're right. I think there was some kind of apology and replay and all, all of that. Um, and similarly, I mean, since then, I, I think Leeds Bielsa had a massive um, anger and made his team, his Leeds team, give a goal back after something similar happened with them last year or the year before. There's no recourse. There's no appeal. There's there's nothing you can do about it, is there? And I know football's based on bad opinions, but when you've got bad opinions based on looking at a replay of something that's supposed to be clear and obvious, but you have to look at it 17 times in slow motion so it actually looks worse than what it is. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, so Alex Hess in The Guardian called and referred to the idiocy of VAR. Um... And Jonathan Liu, also in The Guardian, said on this particular incident, it was a terrible decision by the referee, Kevin Friend, who, even with the benefit of his own eyes, the VAR, 
and several replays failed to spot that Jota had veered right in order to engineer a collision with Guaita, who could do little about it. And that, that speaks volumes, doesn't it, again? Absolutely rubbish. Now, Patrick Vieira said to Sky after the game, it's a huge mistake by the referee, and that took away the hope to come back. Of course, it had a massive impact. The referees today didn't have a really good game at all. It happens too often at home, especially when we play these big teams. Now, I like the fact that he actually overtook him as they come up, as they came off the pitch. Um, I wonder if he had words in the tunnel. Could you sit down the tunnel from where you were standing? No, we. I, I mean, I, I must be honest, I wasn't particularly looking down the tunnel, um, obviously applauding the players off. Um, and we had to get round to get to the Glazers bar in time for Fireman Ian um, and the non-celebratory pints we were looking forward to. Um, but, um, yeah, no, we, we couldn't see. But, you know, it's good to see see that passion from Vieira. I'm pleased to see incorrect decisions by officials called out whenever it happens. And at this rate, I think Vieira might be doing it fairly often. So they weren't playing hungry hippos in the Glazier's bar, but I'm still trying to get where these hippos came from. That came still... later. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, Patrick and T uh, do a show uh, after the game every week uh, over on YouTube. And uh, if you want a good rant, it's well worth revisiting Saturday's edition because Patrick goes for the ref with both barrels. Even to the point of saying, look, I I know he doesn't go to football because he lives in America, but if he lived here, it'd actually make him consider stop going if decisions like that are going to be made. It ruined a good afternoon. I don't mind getting beat. I'm used to it. I'm a Palace fan. But to get beaten because what seems to be I can't put anything else, but cheating. And I know that's strong, but the way that Kevin Friend was grinning smugly as he walked off the pitch, I, I just... It's lucky we didn't do a show yesterday, I tell you, because it just would have been swear word after swear word after swear word. Um, we could go on and on about how it's ruining the game, how uh, it's fixed for the big six, how uh, money's ruling everything, how the Premier League and Sky or whoever want to make the league a little bit more competitive. So rather than making it look like the money team's running away with it, now that they've they've dropped a couple of points, we've got to let these other teams catch up. I don't know. Like I said, I don't mind losing, but I do mind losing when it seems things are against us. We're going to keep the show quite short today. Um, so what I'm going to end with is some four-word reviews. Um, we've had lots of uh, lots of stuff in, but basically it's all saying Kevin Friends a cunt, uh, and I'm not just going to read a list of names out. Uh, so that, cause I'll just be repeating myself, repeating myself. Um, Chris, can you see the four-word reviews in our running order? Okay, I'll let you. I'll let you start. Oh, you you, had, you did that because you put the one that's difficult to pronounce first, didn't you? Um, so wish me luck with this one, um, and apologies in advance for getting it wrong. Um, so Ben I Agbaimoni um, well says a, a decent game ruined. Uh, David H Kings at Hookmaster G corruption in plain sight. At Paul Gatlin says got to put chances away. Sharpie puss. Is that one of your monikers, Sam? Um, Elise is something else. At Coach Herbert, Alison Class, VAR, disgraceful. Um, that petrol relation, that petrol relation, clear and obvious error. Now, that sums it up, doesn't it? It wasn't a clear and obvious error from Kevin Friend. You've stitched us up. Ruined the game of football. Everybody has said it. I just hope that Kevin Friend does not referee for us for a very, very long time. Fucking hell, even Mark Clattenburg came out and said he got it wrong. If Clattenburg's saying it's wrong, it must be wrong. Well, 
Thanks for listening. Thanks everyone who got in touch. Uh, we do read everything but can't use it all. Um, and everything we use helps us create the show. Um, no preview pod this week because we've got a winter break. Um, where they could be playing all the matches that got postponed, but they're not. Um, so they'll be back around the 3rd of Feb, I reckon. 3rd or 4th of Feb to preview the FA Cup fourth round sellout match against the Monkey Hangers Hartlepool. Can you believe that, Chris? We've sold out against Hartlepool. Well, I mean, fair to say that the club's generous uh, measure of uh, funding the coaches for the away fans um, would have helped with that. I think there are still a, a few um, tickets that haven't yet been allocated, but it's clearly going to be a sellout. Um, and I, I guess it, it. I think these games, you know, cup games like that, are a nice opportunity for people to, you know, bring bring their kind of, you know, younger kids, you know, first chance to see the club. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good atmosphere with a sellout crowd. League two team cup run on ongoing, do you think? Or are you too scared to say? No, I'm I'm confident we'll get through this one and um you know, I I reckon we you know, we might just be playing at Wembley a bit later on in this tournament. Yes, I would hope so. They haven't been getting to the semi finals because of course they've debased it there for money, haven't they? True. We paid sixty five quid to watch the semi final. We should be at Villa Park or Hillsborough or somewhere like that. Um as ever, there's plenty more content for you all over our social accounts. We've got Well for Life shows, DR, Patrick T do shows. Uh, there's recorded stuff. It's on YouTube. Get us on Spotify. Um, and with the YouTube shows, uh, especially DR's Tuesday uh, Palace Focus show and T and Patrick Saturday show or after game show, you can get involved. Um, find us on everything by searching back of the nest and like subscribe be merry remember leave us positive reviews in the right places as it helps with the algorithms and if we get good reviews in the algorithms it lifts us up the list lists and helps more people find out about us remember you haven't got a friend in friend but you've got a friend in us until next time up the palace It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.